Welcome back to the Our Maryland Politics and Policy Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Leatherberry. According to a New York Times report, only 58% of the share of candidates in the 2018 midterms were white men. That's the lowest in history. While this shift can be downright scary for some, the almost overnight phenomenon of a political body that more accurately represents the electorate is a positive turn for our democracy. In an age of political polarity and gridlock, new backgrounds, ethnicities, and a variety of experiences stand to not only benefit legislation, but could create a more engaging and trustworthy political landscape. For our first midterm recap, I sat down with Sable Frazier and Karen Darks, founders of the website and blog Political Brew, to get the tea on this historic election year and find out what comes next. We're here with Sable Frazier and Karen Darks of Political Brew. Thanks for joining us for the Politics and Policy podcast. Could you tell us a little bit about what Political Brew is and why you guys started it? Political Brew is a platform that we founded in 2014. We started it to engage millennials in the political process. When we were on campus, I had just graduated at that time, and we were trying to find a way to get our friends more active in politics and just to get them to realize their power and the importance of um, the process and how that's affecting their everyday life. And why why do you guys call it political brew? Just curious. <laughs> um, we call it the political brew because it's we're spilling the tea on politics. Our hashtag is spill the tea. And um, we always say we're not a news site, we're a blog. So we're, we're delivering you current events and politics in a way that younger Um, more millennial people will be able to digest a little bit more than a serious column in the Washington Post. We've actually um, expanded. When we started, we started off as a blog and strictly just writing out content. And now we've expanded to doing um, events and being on panels and actually touching um, our community a lot more. So we're expecting to, like, really go into 2019, you know, hitting the ground. (laughs) We've had our own events, and we also cover events, too, which we'll talk about a little bit more. I... I know it's so important to talk about millennials getting involved. I know when you guys started Political Brew, it was, what was that, 2014? Mm -hmm. So our turnout for midterms is usually pretty low nationally. Mm -hmm. I know in Maryland it's about the same trend. Uh, But this year we saw a huge difference in the midterms. We saw a lot of people turning out. What do you guys think about the past midterm elections and the surge of involvement that we saw? I think it's a good change. Like you said, um, midterm elections has always been something that has, you don't see as much turnout as you do during like presidential elections. But I feel as though since the most recent presidential election of Trump, a lot of people have started to realize how important things are and that if you're not voting, somebody else is going to vote for you. So I think people have actually taken the time to look at who's actually running, the issues that are important to them, and it's just causing a lot of diversity in the voter booth this year. Uh, I also think something that contributed to it, especially with people of color in our communities, um, I think a lot of the police brutality that's been going on and a lot of the rhetoric that's coming out of the White House and other places um, is now being broadcasted a lot more with the rise of social media versus in like 2000, even 2014, social media wasn't as big as it is now. 
I think that more people are starting to connect the dots between what happens as far as, you know, police shootings and things like that. They're starting to realize that I have a stake in this. I can help elect the sheriff. I can help elect the state's attorney or the district attorney in that area. And people are starting to really pay attention a lot more locally. I know both of you kind of alluded to this, but why why do you think young people were energized, especially this time around? I think young people were energized, I think, this time around more because it's more right in your face. Like, you just kind of can't ignore, literally. You literally can't ignore what's going on right now. Um, before, it used to be more of a, politics used to be more of a, oh, your economic issues and maybe some foreign relation issues over there. And, and when I have a mortgage, I'll care about that. But a lot of the social issues are right in your face. Right. And everything that this president says is being tweeted and sent to our phones. And would you believe that this just happened? And you just literally can't ignore it anymore. We saw some a lot of records. The first Native American mm-hmm. elected, first yeah. Muslim, yeah. first uh, black female woman in Congress from Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we had lots of things like that. Do you guys have any thoughts about what this sort of heterogeneous group means for politics in general? I think it means a change. I think this is a new chapter. It's a big wave coming. I know people have talked about the blue wave, but I think there's a different wave of... um, I know we spoke about diversity earlier, but I think it's a different wave of color coming through political process. If it's from sheriff to people running for Congress or Senate, you're seeing women, you're seeing gay men and women running, you're seeing transgender women running, you're seeing just a lot of different groups that you don't normally see or you don't normally get to hear their voice heard, and they're like definitely stepping out. And I think it's because people are realizing that um, you might not need the experience that you once would have thought you needed. Um, I think people are seeing, especially from Trump's election, that you can see that you don't have to be a, a career politician to run. You can be a businessman, you can be the local person, you can be an entrepreneur, and as long as you have your issues that are connecting with the people, I think people will follow you. I think it's a new type of tradition coming, that you don't have to go with the same old, same old. <laughs> and so, uh, why do you think it's important to have this sort of diversity in politics, especially? I know we've seen it in other realms, you know, in business and in entertainment. But why is it important to have a diverse group of people in politics? Um, with politics specifically, politicians are supposed to represent the people. So it makes no sense for these diverse states to have only white men representing them. So um, if I'm a woman of color and all my friends are women, are women of color and we all live in this district that's majority women of color, then there's no reason why a woman of color should not be representing us. And I think that's why it's very important. And I think that's another reason why a lot of diverse candidates decided to run because they, they realized that, you know, white men are making decisions about reproduction. And, you know, white men are making decisions about immigration and they can't even think of when their ancestors immigrated to this country. You know, white men are making, white heterosexual men or any heterosexual people are making all of these decisions about whether gay people should marry and what bathrooms to use and all of these things. And I feel like a lot of people want to see themselves represented in all levels of government. 
I know you guys, you don't just do political brew. Um, <laughs> you're also involved in a group called Black Girls Vote. Yes. Um, we featured them on our 15th episode on politics and policy. And since we have a record number of women and women of color, as you all said, running this year, how do you see it changing the way that women and young people engage in politics? And could you talk a little bit about Black Girls Vote and the role you guys had this year in the midterms as well? Over the past few cycles, the number of black women turning out to vote specifically for Democrats has been on a rise. And I think that the party and a lot of other people find it hard to ignore that at this point. Um, I don't know that, I think the turnout for black women will increase, but I also feel like black women are finally realizing we need to do more than just vote for these people. Right. We can run. <laughs> we can run and we can win and we can support one another when we run. So I think there's a lot more investment into black women and organizations like Black Girls Vote because we can connect with each other in a way that no one else, I think, can. <laughs> and um, Black Girls Vote has always been known for meeting people where they were, where they are. Um, something that Black Girls Vote does is we go into the the barber shops, the beauty shops, we even went to the strip club, we go to the Beyonce concert, <laughs> and we're registering people to vote. We had our, our second annual Black Girls Vote Ball this past Friday, and I chaired it the year before, and I worked on the fundraising piece a lot. A lot. And it's just, I mean, we sold out both years. People see the words Black Girls Vote, and it's become such a big organization in Baltimore because they're known for a lot of the work that they do in Baltimore and now around the country and people realize that they can't ignore an organization called Black Girls Vote. I would say that one of the changes that we're seeing is that people are understanding the necessity of policy and the necessity of voting in block. I think black women over these last few cycles have shown that when you vote in block, you get more done and that, we're, that we also have learned to hold people more accountable as well. When we vote you in, so for instance, in Alabama, when we vote you in here, that when the next cycle comes around, we're going to be checking again to make sure that you're doing what we ask you to do or that you did what you promised that you were going to do. And I think that's a, one of the biggest things that black women are holding people accountable. And I think that's what Black Girls Vote does as well. We educate our community so that people can hold folks accountable and know the issues that's affecting them as well. I would just say one more thing about that when you think about black women and women in general unfortunately fortunately a lot of black families women are the head of the household so they're teaching their children they're telling their their cousins their nieces their nephews they're even telling their boyfriends or their husbands hey we right. need to go vote <laughs> so when you invest in the black woman you're investing in a whole community and um, the rise of black women entrepreneurs is up and everything so black women are leaders and it would be foolish if people didn't invest in them. <laughs> and That's us. why we are a big advocate of Black Girls Vote. We sent out our first mailers this cycle to make sure people understood um, what they need to know when they um, when early voting was, when regular voting was, um, all the in between as far as being registered to vote online and getting your absentee ballots out. So we were very excited about that, and we plan on like expanding that next cycle. That's great, and. You guys mentioned a lot of the pros to this diversifying in politics. Mm -hmm. After President Obama was elected and left office, we kind of saw a backlash. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Do you guys think there are any, any more pros or any cons to this sort of wave of new people coming in into Congress? 
I feel like with everything you're gonna have pros and cons, um, but I feel like we can't we can't allow that to stop us from making progress because there will always be s- something such as America's original sin. You know, there are, there will always be those people who do not want you to progress, or they don't feel as though that you belong here. Um, but I feel as though if we keep preaching our message of unity, then um, we'll be able to overcome that. And like it's showing now that those people are in the minority. So I believe that there will still be people like that. So we should just keep pushing our message regardless. I think there definitely will be a, a backlash. A lot of these races that we won, I'm from New Jersey. We had a really close race that was called like a few days ago. Um, a lot of these races that were won are going to be tough to defend. Um, maybe not so much in a presidential year, but the next time, the next midterm elections for sure. And it's important for organizations like Black Girls Vote, what we do with Political Brew in our Maryland to keep pushing the narrative and realizing that, okay, everybody voted. See you in two years. No, we have to keep talking about it, keep the base energized, keep people engaged in the political process. Like, for example, um, a lot of people wanted to, Stacey Abrams to go into a runoff. I was nervous. <laughs> Only because, like, we worked so hard to get all those people to come out on November 6th. Are those people going to come back out in December? You know, that's that's that scares me. So the onus is on us and organizations that I named and other organizations that do this work to keep their feet on the pedal and foot on people's necks and get them to the polls and keep them, you know, in, engaged in the process. You know, something I know that frustrates me and other people that work in politics and campaign world is like, okay, it's October now. Every celebrity and... Everybody's going to be telling you to vote now. <laughs> like, I've been telling y'all to vote for the last two years. But, okay, I appreciate it. But I'm just really happy that there was so much energy around the midterms versus just the presidential, and I hope that continues. So that leads me to my next question. Do you think this type of engagement will continue to 2020? Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think it's going to continue. I think, if anything, this just bolstered a whole new wave to come for 2020. People are, were already excited to see what was going to happen because I think that um, Trump will definitely put on the show coming for 2020. I think he's not going to back down. He's, I think he's really ready. So I think the onus is on the Democrats to decide how they're going to go into this. And I know right now they're trying to decide who the who their house leader is going to be, and they're still working out those kings. But I feel as though once they get through that, we should start looking for our candidates so that we can start pushing them forward. I think that would be the best thing for us to do so we don't react, but we're already proactive and working on it. Yeah, I agree. I think 2020 is going to be interesting. I think uh, you talked about the diverse number of candidates that came in. There's also a diverse range of ideologies that came in, even on the Democratic side. You know, somebody who ran in a rural area as a Democrat and won is not going to be like our sister in um, in, uh, (laughs) uh, Cortez, (laughs) who was more liberal and just out there. So there's a so I think going into 2020 there's going to be a diverse range of people that run for president mm-hmm. and it's going to be interesting to see what message rises to the top and we what um what nominee we're able to come up with a little bit of tea. <laughs> <laughs> so I know uh, just especially people of color we've usually been told to go with like one party right. over the past months you know we saw. Kanye in the White House. Yeah. We saw a lot of people talking about 
especially the black electorate mm-hmm. being able to start to make more decisions as mm-hmm. to like who we vote for yeah. right I, and, and you mentioned Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and she is super progressive right. then you have you know the establishment as they call it mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if I buy into it but um, do you guys just have any thoughts about especially young people people of color kind of finding their own narrative in politics so one of my proponents is that I am a political empowerment advocate, meaning that I empower you to use the political process in your own right um, to get your voices heard. Um, even though I might, you know, go with a certain ideology, I wouldn't necessarily put the onus, put that same onus on you. I feel as though everyone, even though I might have strong beliefs of why you shouldn't, why you should not, um, when I talk to people and I get them involved, um, I don't tell them which one to choose you I feel as though the the most educated voter is the one who looks at all of them and finds the one that meets them because people would be surprised that they that they say that they're Democrat but they really have conservative views or they say that they're conservative and they're actually pretty liberal on certain things you know or they might fall in between or they might realize that they go with the Green Party or whatever else, other party because some people only think of it as two parties when we definitely have couple other parties out there um or some people might just decide to be independent and um while people you know depending on who you ask they might not like the independent but i think the independent might be one of the most strongest voter because they actually hold their ballot they don't feel as though they don't feel any allegiance to anyone so they're really voting on what they feel as though it fits for them so um, I would tell millennials to use that power, and I actually think a lot of millennials are starting to use that power and say, like, why are we just voting for this one person, or why are we so against this, or why are we? And I think it's sometimes good to question, but with that question comes researching and actually taking action afterwards, not just questioning and then, you know, that's all we're doing is talking, but actually researching um, the questions that you have and um, going from there. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that um, people should vote for what matters to them. So when you wake up in the morning and you're annoyed that, you know, there should be a street light on your corner or whatever matters to you, like if you feel like your student loans are too much, if you feel like you're not getting paid enough at work or you feel like your children's education isn't good, you should vote for what matters to you. When you go into the ballot box or when you get your sample ballot, you should look up what those candidates stand for and how it affects what matters to you. I think that when you come when it comes to people of color now, there were all, I mean, I know like one of my my mom's best friend is a black Republican. Um, but <laughs> the Republican Party has an issue where they're they're isolating a lot of Communities Like, there were a number of Hispanic people that were conservative Republicans that are no longer Republicans, are becoming independents or Democrats. And um, I think that the Republican Party is making it a lot easier for people of color to come over to the Democratic side a a lot easier than we we actually thought it was in the past. Um, And I think it's the onus is on the Democrats to make sure that there's enough room for everybody in our party. Um, I say that as a Democrat. Um, I think that there's, you know, it's not, we have to make sure that we are reflective of all the people that we have been courting to come over. Now that we're here, what are you going to do for us? (laughs) Any predictions for the Democratic candidate? (laughs) Um, I don't have a prediction, but I just, um, hmm. 
think we'll see a lot of people of color. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll see a lot of people of color, right? And I think we'll see some old familiar faces too. Thanks so much for joining us today, Sable and Karen. If you could just let our listeners know where to find Political Brew. You can find us at at political underscore brew on on Instagram and on Twitter and Political Brew on Facebook. And make sure you check out our website at www.itspoliticalbrew.com itspoliticalbrew.com and spill the tea. That was Karen and Sable from Political Brew. Make sure to visit their website at www.itspoliticalbrew.com to hear about political events around Maryland and join a candid conversation about politics. We'll wrap up with a brief interview from the future of politics, the Morgan State University chapter of Black Girls Vote, and some inspiration from the Cardinal Sheehan Youth Choir of Baltimore as they performed at the second annual Black Girls Vote Ball. So first, um, why are you here supporting tonight? So we're the collegiate chapter of Black Girls Vote. We're the first and only collegiate chapter. First and only. We are. The, the first chapter was founded at Morgan State University. Okay. So we're we're here volunteering tonight. Great. And um, were you all involved in this past midterm election? Yes. Yes. So what kind of what kind of things did you do? So um, along with the national chapter, we um, partnered with Tumblr and that um, Get Out the Vote campaign that was on our campus, and we rallied students in the academic quad and then mobilized them to the um, voting poll. And so, why do you think it's important to mobilize college students and especially students at HBCUs to get involved? So our um, campus, a lot of students don't know the importance of voting. So our goal this this year was to make sure we educate them. And then after we educate them, we wanted to make sure that they knew that they still had our support and that we were going to help them get there. I think it's also important to say that um, voter efficacy, especially within minority communities, is so low and it's so poor. So if you see your peers going out and voting and you're doing it as a co- collective community, it's, it's, it raises is awareness to what we should be doing as college students, but it also gets them excited and hyped. So we wanted as Morgan State University's chapter of Black Girls Vote to make sure they were excited. So we were like we're going to walk to the polls with them with our marching band in front, singing We Are the Bears, because this is what we do and this is what we want the representation of our school and also our chapter to look like. Got it. Were you all excited about seeing a lot of different faces elected to Congress? Um, I know we had a bunch of different folks coming in. Anybody here gonna run? You thinking about it? Oh, Maybe? she would. <laughs> 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 <laughs>